Welcome into another edition of another RU Football Podcast. My name is Joe Bettner, and joining me today is a man who has been in hand-to-hand combat with a grizzly bear. It is Tyler Palmatier. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Joe. How are you doing? I'm great. It's week two of the college football season. That fall camp just, you know, dragged on. We get a game on Sunday. Now we're in the thick of things. It feels good to be at this point, although the game this weekend, OU taking on South Dakota, the Coyotes of FCS rank. Tyler, it's a little bit of a weird week because I think everyone kind of just expects OU to roll into this one, win by 50, maybe 60, who knows. But let me ask you this, and we'll... Ask me. We we didn't really get to talk to you. You were chipping away at deadline Mm -hmm. on Sunday night putting out that sweet, sweet content that we all come to know and love here at the Norman Transcript. I want to get your thoughts on this Houston win. Sooners win. We'll just put a little bow on this on this game as we move into week two, but just want your thoughts after OU 49-31 over Houston. Jalen Hurts making his debut felt like the story of the night. How did you feel like Jalen Hurts in his first Sooner game? How did you think he did? Oh, it was... I- it was honestly incredible just to see him play that well. I don't just I don't think anybody's being truthful if they say that they thought he was going to play that well. And but one thing he didn't really do was he didn't have to just sit back and dissect a secondary. Um I think somebody'll make him do that. You know, I mean, he was he was fabulous, but how good is Houston's defense? I mean, not very good. Uh, and he just if if an Iowa State comes along and and sets eight guys back into coverage, kind of like they did in 2017, when when Baker Mayfield and OU lost to Norman, that's that's the next test for him to get better. The thing that we haven't seen. I'm not saying he didn't make good throws down the field. I'm saying he didn't he didn't have to just work through every check, uh, you know, multiple downs per series and deliver on third down in a pressure situation everything came so easy to him and I mean he he's great I mean that's that's clear he's you can't say anything bad about the guy after watching him unless you know as much as somebody like Lincoln Riley does about the the mistakes he made besides the besides fumbling I mean that's a gotta clean that up but you would think they can get that corrected with a guy who's as experienced as him that was probably the the biggest negative on him right the fumbles I think the fumble definitely was the low point. I think that's what I wrote about in Monday's paper being kind of the. Well, do you give the fumble? Do you give who do you blame for the Ramondre Stevenson fumble? Some people are giving it to both. Some people are giving it more to Hertz. Yeah, it looked like it, it was mishandled. So I, I guess it would technically be Hertz. Like I mean, I don't know. It was t- he probably takes that. On yeah, him. and I don't know. Hertz being Hertz probably would take the blame for it, but. As you said, Hertz was incredible. He had 332 passing yards, three TDs, 176 yards on the ground. He was 20 of 23, and I think a lot of people, like you said, probably didn't expect him to be that good that, you know, right out of the gate. Just comes in, comes in hot, and lights up a Houston defense. But you bring up when OU takes on a team like an Iowa State, and I would even throw in you know, a Texas in there, maybe even possibly, you know, TCU or Baylor, depending on how those defenses come along later in the year. But I do wonder, I mean, this is a Jalen Hurts that has went up and I don't know how much, and I guess this is probably the best question, but 
do you feel like there's going to be maybe somewhat of a somewhat of an easy process for Jalen Hurts to go up against these defenses considering he went up against SEC defenses? And I don't know how much credence you give to that narrative that SEC teams just have better defensive players, but I, I do wonder, I mean, is there going to come a point where Jalen's like, hey, this is pretty easy. Like I can, you know, I'm not going up against the, you know, guys, you know, he, he just beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, um, has to go up against Auburn every year, who traditionally has really good defenses. But, I mean, do you think that those Big 12 defenses will eventually give Jalen a good test? I don't know. And part of what we're all doing is just trying to find – it's kind of like we're nitpicking Jalen Hurts. Like, what is he? Okay, when's the other shoe going to drop? Kind of like with with Kyler Murray. Well, when's he going to see a defensive line? When's he going to come up against a defensive line he can't see over? You know, like, I'm trying to think of things. Uh, you know, about halfway through the season, I think Texas, the Texas game, is, is even though he lost, it was like he had that run. He was really good. And I think at that point, that's when I was kind of like, okay, I think we can count on Kyler Murray being good just about every game with the exception of, I guess the two interception game at Texas tech when I, all of a sudden I was like, Oh, is he cratering? But then, I mean, he just bounced back so well. And And that was one of his better statistical performances. Yeah. He came, what he came back with from those two interceptions was amazing. So, I mean, I don't know to your, to answer your question. I don't know. I mean, he, he has played good defenses in the sec. I also think he's just, he has progressed since the last time he was a full-time starter and who knows I it just I would love to know a really true answer about where he's grown under Riley like what's clicked like has something clicked in the last 8 months has has some switch been turned on by what by what Riley knows and teaches that has led to some of this even if it hasn't you know I'm not saying Lincoln deserves credit for completely turning it on but has he like toggled some fuse within Hertz where something came on for him? And Hertz's dad said during the broadcast that he unleashed him. Well, I just would love to know what that means. And uh, they're never going to, you know, we're just not going to know. Jalen Hertz is not going to tell us. He's, man, he is some kind of interview. That I, is, would, I would assume that maybe Alabama was a bit more cautious with Jalen Hertz considering, and I don't want to say that Lincoln Riley and what OU does is going to be just super cavalier with how they use them. But I would assume in a team like Alabama, if an injury to Jalen Hurts would obviously be very devastating, I think, to OU season. But for Alabama, a team that hasn't quite had great offenses in past years, I mean, you lose your starting quarterback. I mean, you know, you, you got to protect him as much as possible. I'm not saying Lincoln doesn't probably think about that, but I think at the same time, he knows the offense he has. He knows the system he has is going to, you know, be. He has to use these guys to the best of their abilities. And what Jalen Hurts can do is he's honestly, I mean, he was the leading rusher, as we mentioned, 176 yards on the ground on 16 carries. I mean, he's like another running back out there. And furthermore, is just he's such a well put together athlete. And I don't want to, you know, dog on you know Kyler Murray's frame or size or even Baker Mayfield's because Jalen Hurts isn't that much bigger I mean he's like 6'2 6'3 but he just looks bigger out there for whatever reason it is he just he's this really really good athlete who you know looks like if he can get his passes down 
could really be a good quarterback at the next level. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if a team after seeing what he can do in this, in this Riley offense, which is what I think a lot of NFL teams are going to transition into is whatever type of spread that Riley runs, but Hertz is going to get a lot of looks. And, you know, I'm, I, I am interested to see how this progresses. And as far as this weekend against South Dakota, it's just, it's such a, not a waste of a game, but for, for the starters, it really doesn't matter much. And it's just, let's for these coaches, I'm sure it's just like, let's get these starters out as quickly as possible. But I do wonder how locked in Jalen Hurts is going to be every week. And it doesn't seem like he's ever going to take a game lightly. It, it definitely does seem like he's very engaged and the whole team looked engaged. I'm just wondering if that's going to carry in to this, into this week too against an FCS opponent that, Oh, you should once again beat by 50. No, I mean, I, think he'll be ready he this is every single time he starts and he's under the microscope now again you know i think he's he knows he probably won't play very long but i think i would think he's gonna play like hair on fire uh just to prove that he's that guy again and to you were mentioning his size he's six two two nineteen right now mayfield with all kind of the weight he's packed on is six one two fifteen so Hertz is a big guy. I mean, and he, he and Murray's running style is so different. Like Murray, Murray, Murray would slide a lot more, especially when he was like getting out in space. Like he would not take the hits that Hertz was taking. Well, and Murray's little legs just—they moved a hundred steps. A, you know what I mean? It's almost like he took two steps to t- get a yard, but he moved so fast. It's kind of like the kind of like a road runner. Whereas Hertz it's is like, like long like, strides. He covers a lot of ground quickly doesn't look like he's moving that fast, but he's just gaining yards just with these kind of effortless steps. So really different running styles for those guys. And and to see a quarterback barrel through defenders like that, you just don't see that that often. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's fun to watch. Like, I mean, you know, we're, you know, it wears on defenses too. I don't think big 12 defenses are really that. I've never been that good at stopping that kind of quarterback. When no. K state had big quarterbacks that did that, uh, they were effective. Blake bell, certainly in those packages. And here's another thing I was thinking about Jalen hurts at the goal line. You know, remember two years ago, a lot of people were getting onto Riley about getting too cute inside, like the one and the two yard line. There were, uh, these weird plays with Trey sermon. Do you remember this? Yeah. I remember no, Kansas he, state and they weren't doing these weren't, we haven't seen much of them since at the goal line. Definitely not. But like hurts can just, you can just push him in and he'll push himself in. I mean, that's gotta be useful too. And you got to love a quarterback that enjoys doing this. Like you, you got to like a quarterback that's not afraid to get hit more than anything. And you know, whether that could be bad instincts. Cause I, I do think if, if we're going to nitpick Jalen hurts a little bit, there were times where it felt like there were guys open that he could have thrown to. It, it felt like in that first half, he was, I don't know if he was hesitant to, to make certain throws. It definitely felt like we didn't really see any, long passes other than the one to cd lamb where he was wide open mm-hmm. but his longest throw of the day was on a slant route that was about 10 yards charleston rambo over the middle and it happened to go for 56 yards but we just didn't see him make a whole lot of i guess passing decisions that you know were a bit risky and as far as running goes i do think i mean he there were times where he, I don't know if it's just he saw a hole, and it's kind of hard to see sometimes where we are from the press box. If we were obviously in the end zone, it might be a little bit easier to see those holes opening up, but he would just take off. And, you know, for what Jalen Hurts 
is as a quarterback, I'm sure that it is very helpful that he has a guy like Lincoln Riley who's seen what Baker Mayfield can do with his feet as well as Kyler Murray, and there's a blueprint there for, you know, where can where can I hurt defenses the most? And it's honestly so interesting. I'm not I'm not a huge X's and O's guy. Like the the people that love the tape breakdowns, it's not really my thing. But I was just watching these things that ESPN were putting together on like Lincoln's RPO packages, and mm-hmm. they're insane. Like you, you, there's stuff you don't really think about as as like a fan of the game and us as spectators as just journalists, but. I mean, the what he was putting together against Houston was just phenomenal, and I was a little bit surprised that they did show some of those things against Houston because I didn't think it was necessarily a defense that they needed to break out the playbook against. I think everyone kind of knew he was going to score against Houston. Um, and it obviously, you never know what, what when you go into these week one games how it's going to work out, and you do need to... You need to do test some things out, and you know over the course of a game. But um, OU, I thought, really did a you know good job of utilizing just about everyone uh, to kind of move away from Jalen Hurts, who once again just a phenomenal debut for the Sooners. But ten different receivers caught a pass. Charleston Rambo is kind of the story of the night with 105 uh, receiving yards. Trey Sermon had a really good game, and you know I, I'm sure people want to hear our thoughts on the defense, but. I did want to ask you about Trey Sermon, 96 yards, 11 carries, um, no touchdowns, but, I mean, he looked like a different running back. No, I agree. Uh, kind of a pedestrian – well, not a pedestrian line, but it's super productive and efficient night for him, but just gets buried by the Hurt story and the defense and all these other storylines that everybody follows a, a lot more close, you know, a lot closer than, than – Trey, but he does look different. I think his mo. He said he is faster. I guess I mean everybody kind of is, but he said he's slimmer and uh, he looked all those things kind of before we saw him play a game. And yeah, he moves. He moves a lot better this year, and he got the bulk of the carries over Kennedy Brooks. Kind of looks like Sermon's job to lose. You know, I mean that can always change. Last year, I guess Kennedy Brooks kind of took over because of some health issues to to Sermon. So. But that he looks like the better back right now. But also, it just looks like you have two really good backs because Kennedy Brooks showed at times that same strange running style he has, where he just kind of moves around people and kind of looks like he's on roller skates or something out there, really smooth. Just doesn't look like he's trying. So uh, yeah, that's so many positives offensively for Oklahoma last week. It's crazy. I just it's hard to believe that they're just gonna hum again like they like they do. But I mean. After one game, they're coming back with this. Like they're coming back with their BS. Yeah, they're coming back here. <laughs> they're with they're that. back on their BS. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the, to talk about the running, to say one more thing about the running game, I was super impressed with the way that the offensive line played. I don't think there were too many breakdowns whatsoever. You did see a little bit of R.J. Proctor, who I started studied every snap tackle. and. Marquise Hayes. What's that? I studied every snap, and Marquise Hayes' technique was off a little seventy nine percent of the time. So I want those. Yeah, I'd like those numbers to come up. Well, R.J. Proctor and Eric Swenson. Not really. Uh, switching at left tackle. R.J. Proctor gets the start, but we saw a lot of Eric Swenson. It seems like from what Lincoln Riley said on Tuesday that those two will continue to compete for that spot, which 
it's probably not a bad thing because it didn't look like there was a whole lot of drop off between the two of them. Um, but you know, it just it, it, the offensive line just once again just looks really good. And as we talk about, you know, like you know, they're back on their BS. Bill Beanbo is definitely back, back on, on his Beanbo's BS. BS. <laughs> um, but offensive line play, I thought was really good. And I think I think the running game is as good as it was. You have to give a lot of credit to just the athletes that OU has on this offensive line um, for stepping up. The, you know the way that they did uh but to switch gears and kind of the story of the night other than Jalen Hurts was the fact that the defense and I maybe this is more polarizing than I think but I feel like the defense had a good night and I I've seen like a few people here and there say well they still gave up 31 points but am I crazy to think that that was a good defensive performance from OU no, I think they just sort of wilted at the end, and that's early. I mean, that's kind of what we're led to believe. I I think they did wilt. I mean, they've just this is not a defense that, that even at its best last year, which wouldn't have been very good, just always struggled to play four quarters. There would be maybe some plays every now and then would be okay, and then it would just be like something horrible. Uh, but I think they're going to struggle to, you know, do a. I'm sorry, somebody just tapped on the glass here. I'm just going to be 100% honest. Super, just Somebody super just tapped on the glass and said, they looked at me and said, come see me. It's not good. I don't know what that means. Well, somebody, industry. yeah. Um, so now that's on my mind. So, um, anyways. Tyler's uh, going to be playing Hurt the rest of the podcast. He's yeah, honestly, be... how many times will I get yelled at today? What's the over under? <laughs> We're already at one. I'll set it at three and a half. I'm taking the over. Uh, I'll take the over on that. Um, no, I think they were, I think they were good and I think they're better. I just think they wilted, you know, they didn't play four quarters and this is going to be a group that's not going to be able to play four quarters. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect a wall to wall improved defensive performance from them. I think the biggest thing is, you know, the, the wilting at the end, some of the penalties, and then you don't get a turnover like Houston gets two turnovers and Oklahoma doesn't. And the ball was on the. I I can count at least two. The ball got on the ground twice, at least. This is off the top of my head, and then Pat Fields had an interception go right through his arms. So I'm not saying that they're. I'm not saying that the whole turnover thing has failed, but those looked like three really good opportunities for a team that's supposedly turning people over, and Pat Fields especially somebody who. I mean, I'm not. I'm just giving him a hard time, but like he, we asked him about it. He was like, he said he's the best at getting these takeaways in practice and yeah, hot seat of the week. I'm not Patrick saying he's Fields. on the hot seat. I'm just saying like. You know, if it's not a great sign that you had those, you know, good opportunities early in one game, and so far we saw a lot of defensive backs row you drop interceptions or miss those opportunities, and there were a lot of fumbles they didn't fall on, and that at least hasn't that didn't look like it's changed. So I'm not saying that they're incapable of doing it, or but just we didn't see it yet. So that, again, they're on turnover watch this week against South Dakota. Like you better, I'm. Just Alex, for their Alex own Bridges sake, job is on the line just for their own sake, for the overreactions for people out there, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not saying this defense is screwed because it can't get a turnover, but for, uh, you know, Joe and Mary fan out there who want to see a turnover, if Joe and Mary don't, see, I'm sorry I used your name. I didn't. That's, yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. Just, you know, it's uh, Bill and Mary fan out there, like, you better get a turnover. If you don't get a turnover in South Dakota, people are going to, the, uh, the, out, the, the far end of the spectrum fans are going to be mad. 
Man, Sunday's newspaper. Tyler's taking over the columnist role, and he's going to be coming after Alex <laughs> Grinch. Yeah. If, if if this doesn't all work out, no, I think that the defense, for all this emphasis we saw on turnovers, it would have been, I think, probably satisfying for a lot of fans to see at least one. Which I know Lincoln Riley was very adamant the turnover on downs. Is technically, see, I don't like that either. Technically a turnover. Turnovers like in the name, so it counts. But. The defense. That's just semantical. I don't. I don't. Sure. That's what we're going to do now. Like, oh, we got a turnover. Well, no, you didn't. The one thing that I thought was probably the most promising was how they got after got after Derek King, who I don't know if he's a top five quarterback in the country, but he's up there. He's he's definitely one of the best quarterbacks. Oh, he's going to see all year. One of the best offenses they're probably going to see all year. It considering it's a Dana Holger offense. And the fact that they really limited Marquez Stevenson, who is the wide receiver for Houston, who's a bit of a speedster, uh, can really get out in space and blow right past you. And he did that a few times, but the fact that they were getting pressure on him and forced him into bad throws was such a positive sign. And you saw the way that with Ronnie Perkins, who is coming along as such a good athlete, he had a sack and seven tackles, uh, two for a loss, and forced to fumble. Um, Ronnie Perkins played really well. I thought Neville Gallimore had a decent game, and obviously Kenneth Murray was the star of that defense and looked like the captain that he is. The preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year had a really great night, leading the team with 13 tackles. And as much as we kind of like pick on Kenneth Murray – he racks up a lot of tackles because, you know, running backs and wide receivers just blow right past the defensive line, and he's usually the one to kind of plug those plug those leaks in, in, the, in, in the defense, and that's why he's able to pick them up. But, you know, he was making good plays out there. Um, he was making really solid plays, and if, you, if there's one thing that I think that was really positive about what OU can do, or at least is what this defense can do, is that you're seeing actual improvement and progression. Um, I thought Kenneth Murray had a really good night and that's only going to help what the, what the secondary can do. Because I do think when we did see Pat Fields and DeLaren, uh, DeLaren Turner yell, have to make plays and the cornerbacks, I don't really feel like we're ever put on an Island or anything. Like none of those guys were really put in a position where they had to make a play. Um, because Derek King, I mean, he overthrew a few passes and, Exactly. He wasn't exactly super accurate on a couple no. of those deep balls. I mean, they weren't put in a – yeah, they, they weren't under duress in that way. But, the, you know, they played worse quarterbacks and given up bigger plays down the field. So it's uh, – He's got a great quarterback name, Derek King. Oh, yeah, that is so it's, good. It's not Zeb Noland or anything like that. No offense, Zeb. Zeb was good. When you're getting picked apart by Zeb, though – it's not good for morale. No, it's not good. It's not. But I thought I thought Kenneth Murray was great. Um, got got to give credit where it's due for him because I it was I'm just is Houston Houston can't be couldn't have made him look fast right like he looked faster and he no, played he faster he uh the play where he chased King down from behind and almost looked like he grabbed him by the neck you know he caught him up high and pulled him down. Just a, just an athletic movement. Uh, he had another one where he chased him. He closed on him in the backfield when King was drifting and searching for an open receiver and forced him to throw it away. He almost, you know, wasn't far from sacking him. That was a, that was impressive speed. And that's what the, that's what they've really missed. A guy that's just going to put pressure on people. I guess 
so many so often we just think pass rushing and pressure defensively has to come from guys on the line and it helps but you know having a linebacker who could just force the issue you know um can help just as much definitely and th- that was the one of the things that i noticed a lot with him just you kind of see him showing blitz quite a bit the other thing i noticed with with that defense is that they also kind of used john michael terry in that role um they used brendan radley hiles in that role just bringing guys up closer to the line um making houston second guess the defense and what they're going to do and i thought it played really played out really well i thought alex grinch for you know all we've been talking with him i th- I think there was a definitely a, de- a defensive improvement and maybe some people didn't like the 31 points that got put on the board but i thought overall that's about as good as oh you could have probably hoped for against houston on a sunday night primetime game and 31 points to houston and against dana holgerson in 2019 is not terrible no and you're I gonna mean, but the thing is people are gonna have to get used to the fact that oh he's just gonna give up points i don't care how good the defense is gonna be mm-hmm. i mean you see the way that when alabama or clemson goes up against a really good offensive team they just give up points and like they, they contain it a lot better just um, don't be just don't be the 80th best defense in the country i think a lot of people have just sort of been saying that just yeah for sure. Uh, Houston, though. Um, Houston out of the way. OU moves on to South Dakota, which I don't have much of a scouting report on South Dakota, but I do think this game is Well, int- I do, so stay tuned for uh, another South Dakota football podcast after this because I got all the goods. I'm so excited for this one. Um, the, the thing that interests me about this game, and it's on pay-per-view, so might want to get together with buddies or you know, do what you need to do to watch the game. Wink, wink. But it's a 6 p.m. kick at Owen Field, OU. The, the things that interest me about this game is, A, how does the defense come out and do they still look engaged? Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that there was a point to be proven. You saw on that first Houston drive that the team just looked like, oh, I cannot wait to get on the field and show everyone that you know we are improved we're better defense and they just looked amped up they looked ready to go from the start and you wonder if they will keep that same energy going into this one um but i think overall the thing that really intrigues me and i mean i kind of felt like an asshole in my five things to watch uh basically saying south dakota has no chance which they don't but the things that interest me the most about this game is who's going to play and mostly just we believe that the starters probably will be done by the end of the first half or at least midway through the third quarter. Um, and I want to start here with, with what we saw. We didn't really see a whole lot of like Tanner Mordecai. Did it feel like Lincoln Riley kind of let his foot off the gas a little bit earlier than I would have anticipated on Sunday night, but Mordecai did get in there kind of in garbage time, but then Houston kind of made it look like it might be a game and then, Oh, you scored again. But um, do you think we see three quarterbacks on Saturday night? Is that a safe bet to assume or I just would think so. Like Spencer Rattler is going to make his debut. I would predict that he does. That, that was the one thing that I, I mean, I don't, I don't think probably the casual fan cares, but if there's a reason to stick around, for that game it's to watch spencer rattler and i'm so intrigued to see what he does or if he gets out on the field uh they might 
still be cautious with what they do with their quarterbacks and not to say that you know you need Spencer Rattler right away but um no it'll be just for pure just what's he look like type thing you know but he probably won't be passing the ball much um you would wouldn't think although there was I don't was it I think was the first year you were on the B in 2017 they played two lane and like Kyler Murray just throws an 80 yard bomb. I remember to, to Marquise, right? Yeah, yeah. It was garbage time, and it just felt like that was not the nicest thing you could have done in mm-hmm. the midst of a blowout. But that's the thing. Like, yeah, you know, I could see that. I see the temptation with like wanting to just give Spencer Rattler a couple deep balls or something. But if you're already just pounding South Dakota into the ground, like I don't, why do that to him? I mean, I don't, I don't know yeah. what they want to do. But it's it's an interesting. As much as they're I, getting paid, you know, just hey, just, come on, let uh, let let them run the third team a little bit. Let them get some. I did learn a little bit about South Dakota this week. What what, what did you learn? I just I've I've called over there and talked to some people. Interesting place. I didn't I didn't realize they play in a dome. I mean, it makes total sense, but I just never put it all together. They play in a dome, and all the local high schools also use that dome. So that's how that's how football exists in a place like South Dakota. That's incredible. Yeah. And I'm there's always, a Florida like I looked at the roster. There's a guy from, there's a guy from West Palm Beach, Florida, on South Dakota's roster, and I was like, "Why are you up there?" I know a guy that went from West Palm Beach to a place that wasn't super. Uh, what is what's the word? Not a big destination. Andrew Kennedy. He went from West Palm Beach, Florida, to Elk City, Oklahoma, to to replace me in my old job as Elk City sports editor. Good old Andrew Kennedy. Yeah. So. I've seen this, but I was like, South Dakota's a little different because you got that extreme weather. And I was asking them about that. And um, I wish I had two hands to type right now to look it up because I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, the Miami Dolphins Stadium. I'm trying to think of who it's named after. While um, you're looking this up, I, w- I was going to say, if you want to donate to my fund to build a dome for OU softball where the Women's College World Series can also be played at so that we don't endure any more uh, weather delays. Um, I will be taking donations at my Patreon, patreon.com slash build the dome. Um, sorry, what, what was the answer to that? I didn't want to cut you off. Build That's the okay. dome. And I just realized done. that that sounds kind of like build the wall. I did not intend for that uh, to sound like that at all. <laughs> but it was just the first things that came to mind. <laughs> but I definitely... After that crack saying that South Dakota has no chance, now this... I just I want the Marita Hines dome and some of the accents you've been doing lately. I'm starting to worry. People are going to be worrying about how problematic Joe Bettner is. Joe Joe Robbie is the guy. Okay, he um, was an, I think he ended up owning the Miami Dolphins. He went to South Dakota, moved on, owned the D- Miami Dolphins, and so in the in the seventies and eighties began flying South Dakota's coaches to Florida for recruiting trips. So that's how the Florida pipeline to South Dakota began. Like they got a little hand from, they got a little help from their got friends. That coyote DNA. Yeah. So synergy, you know, boosters, the whole thing. Football still lives at the FCS level. You know, we don't oh. think about it enough. There's, it's just kind of interesting. There's a, there's a former FCS star coach now in the Big Twelve. You know, South Dakota. Lincoln Riley. Uh, no, Chris Kleiman. Oh. Sure. Uh, at Kansas State. Uh, he was at North Dakota State, I think, that was before. a shot at Texas Tech. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Shots fired. These are just – the energy's a little low today. It went we over apologize, everyone. Um, so, I, no, I just think it's – football's a thing there still. It, to You know, I'm, I'm with you. It's not going to be – I think all three quarterbacks should play. I think 
oh, you could get a get a shutout. I mean, look at the other scores of the FCS games, Joe. I don't from know, the man. past they played. I don't know. Honestly, they should get they should keep them from the goal ought to be a shutout, but I bet they can keep them from scoring. And my I didn't pick a good score, but like ten points ought to be the threshold for them. If it's if it's me, I'm I like, just feel like they've always kind of given up. But South Dakota's not. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I feel like with these kind of lower level teams that they brought in to Norman, mm-hmm. they've typically given up like 10, 14 points. It just, it tends to happen in the midst of a fourth quarter where you're not really trying, where it turns into kind of a glorified scrimmage, basically for the other team. I mean, South Dakota's the one getting paid here, but... They'll keep their starters in. That's what I was going to say. Like in the fourth quarter, that I mean, that's a barometer for them. Yeah. I don't know. To kind of see where they're at. There's not much. I don't know. Like, so South Dakota lost to Montana, I think 31-17 or something like that. Which Montana is a good FCS And they're ranked. So I don't know where that puts uh, South Dakota in the FCS realm. But, like, Montana, I mean, they they could beat Kansas. You know what I'm saying? Can they? Kansas is 1-0, sir. (laughs) Your Rock Chalk Jayhawks are 1-0. I'm just saying a a good FCS team is not that much different from Rutgers or like a really bad FBS team. That's fair. We just saw James Madison take West Virginia to the wire. Right. Same with Iowa and Northern Iowa. Yeah. Iowa State. Or Iowa State. I didn't watch that. Um, I would have liked to seen how that happened exactly. But it wasn't pretty. Yeah. not good for the big. That would have been good for the Big Twelve. After all this, we've just buttered up Iowa State over the over the off season. Just let, buttered them like a turkey. Let's you know just I mean? put it this way: it wasn't purdy. Oh, you're always so quick with a headline. We, it never uh, fails. I was really hoping. Uh, yeah, the headline on on Monday morning was a Houston note problem. I was a big fan of Sunday Best. It was one I threw out there. Mm. We had some. I liked Houston did, No Problem better. Do people still like call that like their Sunday best? Is that like no, an antiquated thing? I know what you mean. Sunday best. It's, a, it's like a church thing more yeah. than anything. Sunday best. I don't. I don't mind it. It actually sounds a lot better about five days later. Well, Houston, no problem. Houston, no problem. It really did, good. It did the job. It totally it did filled the, job. the page. Mm-hmm. It did everything it needed to do. But um, this weekend, though, it's yeah, no. But but for going back to what we're talking about with South Dakota, you know, it's just. This game doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. I do think more than anything, you probably want some of the guys that weren't suited out against Houston to play just so you can like, like a, like a Marcus major um, Marcus Hicks wasn't suited out, but do we know or just some of these freshmen that like we didn't really get to see um, you were more on top of the guys that weren't playing than anything. Yeah, I don't have you know. I'm trying to remember that list right off the top of my head. I I mean, the freshman Marcus Hicks was one. Jonathan Perkins, linebacker, was another one. Marcus Major. Um, who else? Because we saw quite a few, quite a few young guys. David Aguebu, Strip, Marcus Stripling, and Nick Benito got out there. Theo Weiss played, but not until late. He wasn't on the initial uh, participation. I was super surprised that Theo Weiss did not get as much run. That's kind As of he a did. developing thing. I wonder if he's in the doghouse or something. What do you, What do you think he did? You think he paid? You think he? Do you think he pays his traffic tickets? Do you think he? He better now. There's a precedent. Although I th- I thought it was funny how I mean I know it's not a huge deal like 
avoiding like forgetting to pay your traffic ticket or whatever but like lincoln seemed to just play it off <laughs> like oh yeah he was he cared the way he said it he sounded like he cared even less than the way it probably read in print but uh and i that's fine i've it's not a it's, it's not, not an a, egregious act like he we've did we've all done it no i'm kidding <laughs> i've well i'm trying to think if i've done it <laughs> I mean, I, it's not that big a deal, but it's definitely worth, like, when they say deal with it internally, I'm sure there's some sort of punishment they do, but, like, how hard can you come down on somebody for that? I don't know. I mean... It also made me think that just reading the report that you put out on Monday, that, you know, he's arrested late Monday night, and, like, I was just like, well, what was he doing late Monday night? But I was like, oh, yeah, there was a game super late, um, and I can imagine that, you know, I don't know... what Stop look, being a kid. Well, I just I don't even know what the process would be for those guys getting out because like we didn't get out of there until like maybe one thirty two a.m. I was yeah, I, I was know. out of the press box at like two a.m. I think. I wonder how long they hang out and get treatment and stuff. I mean, there's probably a lot of stuff to recover with your muscles yeah. right after a game, but I don't know how long that would take. We get out of the we get out of the press conference at like the press conference finishes around like eleven, but then like not every player comes into those. So conceivably, somebody who plays and isn't requested by the media or has to go speak with them could could be out of there by maybe 11 30 midnight and chance sylvie doesn't i mean for I, we're, once again we're not trying to make this out to be a big deal well i am uh, tyler palmatier always coming after him he uh goes for the hard-hitting questions and coming after players but no chance sylvie doesn't seem like a like a problem type of guy. This is the first I think we've ever heard of him really having any issues. No, based we don't know these guys very like it is fun to interact with them on time on or on occasion and but it's just it's I can't stress enough how hard it is to get to know them because we're just that's not how this works. But so take consider that when I'm with what I'm about to tell you like I, he always seemed to me like this like a really upstanding person. He was, I remember walking into the East Side Walmart on in Norman this summer and like there was Chance Sylvie in a blue Walmart vest. Wait, are we talking like East Side Walmart as in like right by Jack in the Box or like the one near Noble? Big distinction here. You talking about the neighborhood Walmart? No, no, no. There's one there's one There's now. one further? I would call that the Southeast Walmart, okay. honestly. That's if it like, were me. It's but, like super close to the Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, I would call that the Southeast Walmart. That's what that's it's Walmart I prefer. I'm east proper. East side. And but so to see him in there and, you know, he's like working this, he's, it looked like he was a greeter. I couldn't tell what he did, but like after talking to him in the preseason, it was for this internship for his major. And it was just like, he's, he's a really interesting, engaged, thoughtful guy. Uh, didn't seem like somebody that would just space on a couple of, uh, what was that Joe for? Just, yeah. You had your middle finger up at me. Oh, Where are you, you're scratching your cheek with your middle finger. That, is that not normal? I didn't even realize I was doing it. Joe just flipped me off. Um, so no, I didn't see that from Chance Silly, but again, not a big deal. Who I, I, it's a thing. I mean, if you get it, you know, you, you can't show up in that police log, unfortunately, when you're when you're a collegiate football player. Not with Tyler Palmatier scouring the. I, well, I wasn't. Water I wasn't day. scouring it that day. George Story caught it. Um, but no, we'll see him. We'll see him Saturday too, and that nickel back position competition will will continue there with. I think that's another big concern. Not a big concern, but that's a concern about this defense. They've got to figure yeah. that guy out. That, that position may not get solidified. I don't know. I mean, I didn't see 
Brendan Radley Hiles didn't stick out necessarily. I was going to ask you, I mean, did anyone really stick out on defense other than Kenneth Murray? I thought Jalen Redmond, uh, I didn't see it. It's hard to see some of these things during the game, but there was a clip kind of extracted from the game afterwards where he really split like, he splits like three offensive linemen and he just, he just moves them around with like one arm. That's a strong kid. He's going to be, and this is his first game back. He just, if he can get on a, if he can get on a, on track and play some games in a row, he could get pretty good. And, you know, Ronnie Perkins again, a difference maker. Uh, those are the ones probably that I noticed the most, but I thought the cornerbacks too, they, they seemed like they put a little more pressure at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So they just kind of interesting, as, but like Trey Brown missed a tackle on that one yeah. touchdown and just Ooh. whiffed. So that just looked kind of just shades of last year there. Well, that wasn't good, but that was a tough look. And I, I think I brought that up on the post game pod it was like Trey Brown whiffed really hard. Kyle Porter, I think he caught the ball out of the backfield and he just, he just went right by Trey Brown who missed that tackle. And then he did the same thing to Turner yell uh, at the goal line, just kind of shrugged him off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a, a tough look for OU's defense, but at the same time, I think it's probably decent a decent sign that they were at least in position. They weren't, you know, uh, they weren't trying to play catch up with these dudes. They were at least, I mean, and that was a kind of a red zone situation, so you would hope they wouldn't be, but um, you definitely have to finish those tackles. Uh, offensively, though, was there any one that stuck out to you? Just that had a had, maybe had a game that you weren't really expecting um that's a good question i mean offensively just everybody was so steady uh hurts kind of stole the show that's probably the most surprising thing i thought it was kind of uh interesting to see jeremiah hall get the start it, that wouldn't have been my pick and no offense to him i just thought Braden willis was kind of and things were just vibe just Guessing, I would thought I thought has been more around him this off season. He's just a big, impressive guy, and I just thought that that was gonna um, work in his favor. That they moved him to that position that seemed like an indicator to me that maybe they wanted to, maybe they wanted to get him in. But uh, Jeremiah Hall scoring the first touchdown of the season, I did not have that, and he looked pretty good. Um, So they need and they need that person at that position to play well. So he was a. He was definitely a guy that stood out. Um, you know, it's good to see Lamb is. It's like you just, in this offense, you're just not, they're just are not going to high, just target a guy high volume. Uh, it's the, the days of like, you know, Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman where you just force feed a guy and it's, he just goes up over everybody and grabs it and runs for touchdowns. Or at least that's just not how Riley's offense operates. It's going to go to everybody. Uh, it's kind of a surprise to see Basquin get in and make some, make a couple plays. Uh, like you mentioned, that we didn't see. Maybe it's more of the guys we didn't see. Um, no Theo Weiss until the very end, and not very much Trajan Bridges uh, until, well, he played more on special teams, I think, for the most part of the game. So Yeah, I saw him. Their kickoff team, their personnel is interesting because it's like Trajan Bridges, uh, Brendan Radley-Hiles. Um, it was just, I think, uh, I want to say like, I mean, they obviously it's it's a position where they have a lot of young guys, and they kind of needed them because the kicking game wasn't all that great. I mean, you know, f- for what Austin Seibert was, I mean, he was uh, 
you know, quite good at doing all three of the responsibilities, but there's definitely a bit of a, there's going to be a bit of a transition period between this new group. Gabe Burkich, uh, didn't have the best night. And then, uh, the on kick or Gabe Burkich on kickoffs. Sorry. I got the, uh, Caleb Sutherland was the one who missed the field goals. Gabe Burkich handled kickoff duties and had a, um, that, you know, went for four touchbacks, but we're just kind of used to, Oh, you automatically setting up a touchback. Um, you're smiling a little bit, and I'm a bit worried. It's totally unrelated. Something funny come across the TL? A little bit, yeah. Okay. No, it happens. Um, but we shall see with what uh, with how the kicking game goes. But um, Tyler, I'm looking at your week two picks. I see you have the Sooners winning, 56-17. So, yeah, I think that's a lot of points. For South Dakota. For South Dakota, I was going to yeah. say. I was like, I would not be surprised if OU put up 60 in this yeah. one. But I'll stick with that. I mean, you know, like you said, it could happen. Yeah, 60 is probably a better bet. I mean, you've got a lot of points. I love I, this score. Actually, I'm, now that more like think about it. Well, I was going to say, oh, the the one thing I was going to uh, – I want one, one more thing I want to touch on was we were talking about like high-volume guys aren't oh, probably yeah. going to happen as much at receiver. I think I picked C.D. Lamb as my offensive player of the year in the Big Twelve in the pre on my preseason ballot, mm-hmm. and I super regretted that because I I mean Marquise Brown really emerged last year and showed that he could be the most reliable option, but this year I'm I'm not really sure if it's gonna be C.D. Lamb because there's just so many weapons around mm-hmm. uh, for Jalen Hurts to pick from. Um, but you have OU 56 17 going to this weekend. Uh, all of our picks will be in game day which comes out on saturday i have the sooners i um, that's the wrong one um i have the sooner 63 to 10 um so i like your score better it could go that way it could go that way but and then clay horning has 52 to 10 so we shall see um it's it's not a great weekend of college football. There's not a whole lot of great games. Texas LSU. Well, I was gonna say that's probably the only one though. I that's, know that's that, a pretty big one though. Classic. Like, like I kind of want to like of, of all the games that I want to watch. I mean, I might end up DVRing that one and mm-hmm. seeing what's up. Um, it's gonna be so hard to not hear what's going on in the press box though. Of course, of course. But I I just want to see those are kind of fun nights though where everybody's watching and paying attention to a game and it'll be like really tempting to not just. I'll like want to be working, getting my stuff done, but also I'll really want to be streaming that or like watching it on a TV in the press box. Are you a TV streaming guy? I don't have cable, but and I'm honestly I just don't have enough time to sit TV. down and stream much. But I'm I would. TV guy. You're what? So you're not a big TV guy? Mm-mm, not mm-hmm. really. I didn't even. I was so into Game of Thrones for all the seasons. Didn't watch the season finale. Have you, you've watched every episode. Series. Didn't watch the series finale. You, you've. you've I've seen it all. Except for the series, except finale. for the series finale, or you just saying series? It? I'm talking series finale, like the whole season. Oh, okay. I did not watch any of like that. Like the final season. The final season. There we go. Are you just saving it? Or I have just... no clue. I just I at first I was like, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it. It's not long. And I and now I'm just like I you, don't. You don't even know what happens in the battle of Winter, battle of Winterfell. All those spoilers, I basically do. Yeah, true. It got, but whatever. I mean, but no. I uh, I have ways to stream things, but I I just don't do it very much. Well, Ned Stark becomes king, so you know it's just put it out there for everyone. What do you mean? Ned Stark he comes back to life. 
He's reincarnated. It better not be real. He's reincarnated as a dragon. I'll kill you. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Danny has another dragon and it's, it's, it's Ned Stark's face and he rules over Westeros. So that actually be pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, I think, uh, I think that's the nail in the coffin for this podcast for today. Put it in the books, put it in the books. Hey, Tyler, I appreciate you. For coming on another edition of another OU Football Podcast powered by the Norman Transcript. And we appreciate you for making us a part of your day. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. More platforms soon. Who knows where we'll be. But where we will be, we'll be back for a post-game pod. It'll be me and Sir Clay Horning, our senior sports columnist, to break down all the action Right after OU South Dakota, it'll be in your feeds. By the time you wake up on Sunday morning, you can put it on and your you know way to go get some neighborhood jam. I don't know what you what, what your Sunday plan looks like, but I hope it's a good one. Speaking of that big business plug, we are we are actively seeking a sponsor for another OU football podcast. If you're interested, if if you have disposable money to throw in terms of advertising, hit us up. Um, you can, you can email us pretty easily. We will plug you. We will, we will plug you, um, email sports at normantranscript.com. Let with, us know. uh, your, with your advertising opportunities that we would love to involve you with. Um, and especially if we like you, you know, you think Adam and Eve would go for it? The Adam and Eve. Would that be good for business? You know, I, not to give any type of plug to another OU football podcast, uh, they already sponsor one? No, 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 oh. no. But I know that the the Sooner Scoop guys have talked about getting sugars involved on like the Strip King, um, like this whole Strip King thing that Alex Grinch has invented at OU practices, maybe getting a sugar sponsorship. Hmm. I think uh I think we can get Adam and Eve though to, to come to come join forces with us. Well, next time you're down there one of your weekly stops, just ask them. I mean, basically your Barry Switzer story was sponsored by Midway Deli. That's true. We ought to. We should have. We <laughs> really should have sent something. an invoice. <laughs> oh, they, yeah. No, no kidding. I, You're not lying. <laughs> I do love me. Uh, I do love me some Midway Deli. I do too. Anyway, this is the kind of stuff we can work in for your business. Just super. We're, we're cool like that. Yeah, we can. We can work. It won't even sound like an ad read. We promise. So, anyway, hey Tyler, um, this was fun. Hey, Joe. We'll be back uh, once again. Me and Clay will be back for the post game pod after OU South Dakota. Um, but until then, for Tyler Palmatier, my name is Joe Bettner, and we will catch you next time.